Welcome to the latest Pink Podcast in the Pink Elephant Podcast Series, dedicated to leading the way in IT management best practices. Hello, my name is Robin Heisick. I am an IT management consultant at Pink Elephant. We want to welcome you to today's Pink Podcast. With me today, I have Jack Probst, who is a leading expert in idle project implementations. Jack, I was wondering if you can share with us your top five tips for leading process implementation projects. Well, thanks for asking, Robin. It's good to see you again today. It's always a pleasure. Um, the five things that I think about when I focus on implementation of processes and process projects, um, the first and foremost is, of course, we're going to run it as a project. That's really, really important. The second is make sure you have the appropriate level of sponsorship. And then, of course, there's communication. Communication is significant to any process project. And then I think it's terribly important, especially for those people who are concerned about budgets and funding and the like, is get some quick deliverables. And then finally, you know, we're going to be asking people to do things a little bit different. So let's think about being ready for organizational change and some pushback. Great. Five great tips. However, Jack, can we go back to the beginning for a minute? So running it as a project, can you tell us what you meant by that? Oh, you want detail. Uh, okay. Sorry about that. Well, it's a project. We want all right, detail. it's going to be a project. Well, you know, it's sometimes we think about projects, and we think about projects only for doing those projects associated with applications or something we're going to do with the infrastructure. But you know what? There's a lot of assembly that's required with respect to these processes. So we're going to define the procedures. We're going to describe activities and policies and KPIs and all those good things that are necessary for, for a process. And so what's important is to organize the activities that are associated with doing all of that good stuff. And we do it using the disciplines that we use in our own organizations to help us manage all the other projects that are very typical in the IT environment. It helps us organize. It helps us communicate. It helps us keep on task to make sure that we achieve our deliverables on time and on budget. Okay, so let me just, just go back to that for a second. So what you're saying is I'm not going to do anything different than I would do on any other project we exactly. do in IT. Exactly, that's it exactly. Great. What about sponsorship? So we're talking now about an idle implementation project. Where would that sponsorship come from? Because these changes are going to require so much um, evolution within the organization, whether it's within the IT organization or it's going to bleed over into other parts of the organization, such as the business or maybe some of the other enabling or supporting functions, it's important that we have top-down support, and that comes through the sponsor. Now, the sponsor is going to be the individual who's going to assure that, uh, my gosh, we've got funding, we're making sure that we're allocating resources, but also doing things such as clearing roadblocks and providing the senior-level support and communication across peers and the like. Now, in some organizations, the um, the level of the sponsor, especially uh, in the bigger organizations, you're going to find that it comes from the very top of the organization, and this person isn't going to have time to spend on a regular basis uh, doing the communications and being visible. So in that case, that individual may, f may serve the role of being an executive sponsor, and then they may delegate some of these other responsibilities to another type of sponsor called an implementing sponsor who may be a bit lower in the organization but also has enough clout within their position that they can exercise the necessary leverage to clear those uh, log jams and make sure that uh, if there's resource conflicts and the like, they can clear all those up. So executive sponsors, implementing sponsors are all terribly important to the success of the project. 
Okay. Well, you know, I just took a uh, class in IDLE not long ago, and I really want to implement this in my company. But, um, you know, I'm kind of low person on the totem pole. What would happen if we didn't have that sponsorship? It's It becomes a bit difficult because then you're driving the project from the bottom up. And because, as we're going to talk about in a little bit, this all involves behavior change, trying to drive across the organization, across functions, across departments, um, from a bottom-up perspective is a very difficult thing to do. It's not that it can't be done, but um, it is almost an uphill battle. So strongly suggest that you go that you seek out that high-level support, and especially in the form of a sponsor. Thanks, Jack. You know, I think you started to touch into that next point that you talked about in terms of communication. So who do I need to communicate? How often do I need to communicate, and what do I need to tell them? Well, my first rule about communication are the three C's. You ever heard of the three C's? No, Jack. What are you know, the three C's? Oh, three C's. Very simple. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Ah, you can't okay. communicate enough. So you need to tell people what it is that you're um, you're attempting with respect to the project. What are the deliverables? How are they going to be affected? Keep them abreast of all the changes that are going on. Make sure that individuals understand the progress that's being made in terms of uh, achieving deliverables, when might people be expecting to see um, some of the rollout of the new processes, anything to get people excited and informed and aware of what it is that you're attempting to do with respect to this new process project. And of course, the other thing to keep in mind is, is that people learn different ways. So there's three types of learning. There's tactile learning, there's visual learning, um, and there's auditory learning. So all of your communications need to touch all those learning styles because that's what you want people to do. They, you want them to learn about your project. So multimedia, not everything in email, not everything a presentation. You need to uh, communicate. Sometimes people talk about communicating seven times, seven different ways. And the idea is communicate, communicate, communicate. Okay, and that's really good. And I guess also I have a different message for the different levels within the organization to yes, whom I'm absolutely. communicating. Yes, absolutely. Yep, yep. Because everybody's the... the, the, the Stakeholders are going to have a different uh, view of this as opposed to the people. Um, so the people at the top or the people who are in the business, they need different information than those people say that are going to be implementing these processes as part of the job. It's a great point. Okay, good. And fourth, quick deliverables. You mean you don't wait until the end of the project and deliver everything at one time? Oh, my gosh. You know, one of the big challenges around, especially some of these process projects and some of these projects that are in large organizations, is they can take a bit of time. And so what you want to do is you want to show value with respect to the uh, investment in resources that the organization is making. So instead of waiting those six, seven, eight, nine, maybe 12 months to deliver on the, the process uh, objectives, maybe we can find elements within the process project itself that we could roll out ahead of time and to show value, to show that there's um, some gains being achieved from this process work. And there, of course, there's bigger things that could be expected when the full process rolls out. So um, some examples. Gosh, change management. Do I have to wait until the change management process is in place before I roll out caps? Could I have caps, right? Sure. Could I formalize the request for change process? Sure, I could do that. I don't necessarily have to even have a tool. I can have a form. I send in a form, write things down. How about in the service desk arena? Why not uh, standardize on how it is that I'm going to classify um, using uh, the SKIM approach, so system component module approach? Everybody's using the same set of coding. 
It doesn't require the full-blown process to do it, but yet I can achieve some significant gains as a result of doing these very small things, getting some quick wins, doing the quick deliverables. So let me just ask, too. So even within these quick wins, do I have to wait until it's perfect? No, gosh, no. I've heard somebody here use this term called PEG, perfect, uh, excellent, and good enough. And you know what? Get good enough. Get to your 80%. Get things rolled out. You can always improve. doesn't have to be perfect. Get it out. Get it, get it in front of people and then improve over time. All right, because the name of the game is process implementation and improvement. Right? Yes, got to remember, process is good, so it's good. always PEG. Okay. And the fifth tip that you threw out there was about change, about the organization maybe pushing back on everything that you're going to do. So how do you go about compensating for that? Process is about behavior. So we're trying to organize the way people behave in an organization. Well, you know, what's happened is, is that people have been terribly successful doing it the old way. They've been promoted. They've been rewarded. This has been a very successful paradigm for them. And now we're going to ask them, to break out of that old mold, the old way of working, and to do something entirely different. And that is a very difficult thing to do. I'm taking you from a point of comfort to an area that you may not be certain about, and maybe there's some risk attached to that. There, there will be pushback. There will be people who resist. There will be people who are just not certain. They, they don't know whether this is going to be good for them or not. And so the key around understanding and being prepared for organizational pushback is the fact that some people aren't going to like it. Um, some people aren't going to be um, uh, aware of how good it could be for them. And so you need to think about in advance, what are my strategies to deal with the active resistors, the passive-aggressive behavior, uh, maybe just those people who are sitting on the fence and trying to decide, is this something that's going to be good for me or not? Communication plays into this, um, being um, just truly empathetic to the fact that you're asking people to move out of their comfort zone and to do something different, that goes a long way in helping an organization be prepared for and to embrace, they may not be excited about it, but to embrace the new way of working. Wow, all of this sounds really great. And one of the things that I like, these aren't just five individual tips that you're throwing out here as tips for process implementation. They're all tied together too. So you need to communicate to the people who are going to resist so that they know what's in it for them. You need to have those quick deliverables. You need the sponsorship. You need to run the whole thing as a project. They all go together as one in terms of project implementation. Makes a nice set of gears, doesn't it? It does. Good. All right. Well, thanks for your time, Jack, and thank you for joining us at today's Pink Podcast. Thanks, Robin. Thank you for joining us for today's Pink Podcast. Go to www.pinkelephant.com to find out more about our products, including Atlas, our knowledge database with hundreds of example documents and templates for your IT management best practice projects.